Welcome to the Law Firm Growth Podcast, where we share the latest tips, tactics, and strategies for scaling your practice from the top experts in the world of growing law firms. Are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. I have a special episode this week. This is one from the archives. This is an actual module from Casey University, our private client training portal. And this is on one of the most frustrating things that could possibly happen in the process of running your law firm, which is somebody who says yes, and then they ghost you on the follow-up. What the heck? Why do people do this? How can we prevent it? Got some answers for you, and it's all in this training. So go ahead, take a listen, and I'll see the rest of you guys next week on the Law Firm Growth Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a very special edition of Casey University. And this is a real bummer that I want to avoid for you guys, but it's something that unfortunately happens to everyone, which is getting ghosted on payment. So it's actually kind of interesting. Um, there was actually a Clio Trends report that I saw that was studying people that were using the platform. And on an average, on a daily amount of actual billable hours, there were 2.5 hours. And what's very interesting is that only 1.7 of those were collected, which means that for the average attorney, close to 25% of hours are not billed. This is one of the major reasons this ends up happening, but I'm going to show you how to avoid it in this presentation. And like I said, the potential, and this is something that I'm going to actually make in the watch this before your first consultation thing, because the emotional letdown of having what you thought to be a closed sale vanish from under your feet is one of the worst things that you can experience as somebody who's managing a pipeline, as a salesperson, as a business owner. And like I said, this is something that everyone deals with. We have the situation when, you know, we have reps that this happens to as well. I've had this happen to me. Everyone has this. And basically why I want to avoid that is because it's such a high, you know, emotional like problem that we want to avoid that it's it's super important in these early stages when you're forming your opinions of how to go through these cold consultations that you're able to avoid it. I'll also say this too. It ain't over till the fat lady sings. Basically, the kind of spoiler alert for where we're going to end up going with this is that the way to avoid getting ghosted is to have the money in your bank account already. So we're going to get to how exactly that happens and some techniques to help you guys get there. Okay, so I've had the virtue of working with probably hundreds of closers over my life between people that I've worked with alongside, people I've managed here at Casefield, people I've coached in the program. And I've gotten to see what the top closers end up doing and the weaker closers end up doing, um, sometimes actually being in the room with them when they're happening, right? Uh, and you guys have probably experienced this too, if you guys have ever bought some products, right? If you can kind of think about the process in which it's been very easy, there's some traits that you'll see almost every person who closes well and collects payment well have, right? The first thing is that it's always extremely casual. Um, I'm going to get into why this is very important, but people are at ease when they're going to hand over their credit card information. The top closers assume a yes. They're assuming they're getting paid and it would be weird if they didn't. It's almost as if the frame that they have is so strong that it's it's very tough to penetrate to. Instead of giving that away, which is something that we also see people that are not closing do quite a lot. If they don't end up closing, they have plans B, C, D, et cetera. There's rankings of what we want to do. We're always going to try to get our first uh, you know, the payment for the package or the payment for the first installment in full. But if we don't, we have backups for that. And then the last thing is if we need to handle objections, we are never getting flustered. There's always a way to make this worth it for the client in a way that it's not icky. It's not gross. It's not a hard close. It is just what you need to do to get what you need to have, right? 
First thing I want to get into is that why things are really important to be casual is that in the moment of closing, especially if we've developed some leadership on the call, which is what I'm hoping everything uh, is happening as far as you guys in your consultation, they are looking to you for guidance. And one of the things that they will be looking for is how should I feel in this situation? If you've been controlling the conversation, you're nervous, they might think that they have to feel nervous. And ultimately, what you feel boils down to your genuine mindset over what you're asking. If you feel that it's weird to ask for payment, then they're going to feel that it's weird to give you payment, right? So you have to take a step back and ask yourself, do you think it is reasonable and fair to ask for payment at the end of the consultation? I can't make this decision for you, but I think it's very, very fair. You guys are about to commit resources, time, energy, time on your calendar, mental bandwidth to getting this process rolling. And I also think, you know, this is something I'm going to get into a little bit more when we're talking about the objection handling. It's very important for them to move forward with this too. You know, I've had a handful of, well, I mean, I'm trying to think, not like a bunch, but there's been, you know, multiple situations of people that are in the program where there was somebody who scheduled a consultation and literally, you know, got hit by a car or ended up going into cardiac arrest or lost capacity before the consultation was happening. So you can't wait with this stuff sometimes. It's honestly, and then, you know, if you guys have ever had the situation where you've lost a deal or, you know, have a situation where somebody ghosted, right? If people don't get the ball rolling and really cement their start to the process, payment probably being the strongest way to do that, they might not get the outcome that they need, right? So I think it's reasonable and fair to ask for payment at the end of the consultation. I think you are actually doing them a favor if you ask this. And you have to, if you don't believe that, you need to really ask yourself why. But again, this is just my thing. I think you have every right to feel reasonable and fair. And again, I want you to be this confident, right? Ask yourself this. When's the last time you went grocery shopping and the teller asked you, do you want to pay for this? It's a foregone conclusion. You'll, you've never heard that in your life. When you show up to the little thing with the, you know, when you show up to the, uh, the cash register, it's time to pull out your credit card. They don't have to ask. When they get to the end of the consultation, I want you to be that confident. It's the end of the consultation. Of course, I'm going to ask you for your credit card. You're not just going to walk out of the store. That's insane. So I want you to be as confident as a grocery store teller would be in terms of asking for this. Okay. Another quick reminder too, is that you set the rules. I want this to sink in for a little bit because, you know, depending on the consultation, it could be the second or third consultation you're having that day, right? It's in most of the situations that you're going to encounter somebody in, this is probably the first and only estate planning consultation that they've ever had. You know, sometimes a lot of people are updating plans from before, but this is the first time that's ever happened. They have no idea what the process is looking like. So if you have the ability to set the rules, why wouldn't you set the rules in a way that's going to be better for you and the client, right? And you know, the way that we end up doing this is we really have, so first of all, you have to understand what you want, but very importantly, you have to communicate it in a way that supposes finality, right? So we're not saying, all right, cool. Well, sorry, again, we have to ask the buy-in, cool. Is this something, does this price work for you? Okay, great. So here's what happens next. I'm not asking them what happens next. I'm telling them what's happening next. And, you know, usually it's going to have something in terms of scheduling a meeting, collecting payment, and then taking care of, you know, the contract if you want to do that on that session, but you tell them how it's going to work. They're not going to be dictating the terms because they don't run an estate planning practice. If somebody is dictating the terms to you, and again, if you're at the point where you're getting a close, you, you probably established leadership for the call where it wouldn't happen. But you know, people often give away their control, which is why we end up not having a situation where you're collecting payment, right? So you have to tell them what it's going to be. And the next thing I want to kind of get into is, is you know, there's basically this, these these backup rules, right? So there's a ranking of what we can get at the end of a consultation. And I want to say aim high because this is basically, I kind of consider this similar to negotiation, right? If we roll up with a, a weak offer, the chances are we're going to get an equal or worse offer, right? 
oftentimes people will go to the bottom and try to set up the call before people end up falling out and they'll just have to leave afterwards, right? So, you know, the best outcome that we can get is obviously we get the plan of the instatement solvent paid in full. The next thing, and there's actually a separate module on this on, on getting a deposit close is getting a, uh, you know, a partial pay or a deposit, right? Why this is infinitely better than the bottom two is because there's the kind of interesting thing too. One, you do have their payment information. And if especially it's on the credit card and they've signed a contract afterwards, you can actually charge their credit card. That's illegal in most places. But also there's kind of an interesting shift that happens, right? The difference between somebody who's paid you money, even if it's $1 versus somebody who hasn't paid you money is tremendous, right? So we have to get them used to paying you. And again, this also kind of makes it a sunk cost for them. If you want to pay $500 a deposit and then, you know, go meditate on the mountain like a monk and then never come back to society, then it's less likely you're going to do that. Again, if it's like, even if it's 500 bucks, even if it's, I don't know, I wouldn't really go less than 500 bucks for most of the plans that I recommend ever charging, but still, you know, that's money that they've already sunk. They're more likely to cross the barrier because of loss aversion. They're not going to want to lose that money. So the second option you want to have is to get some amount of money. If we absolutely can't have that, then we want to get a contract signed. That usually is the right to collect with money. And then finally have the appointment set. Now, this is kind of the thing too. Basically, you know, like I said, people give away their power on this too. If we're just saying, oh, cool. Hey, you know, let's just set the appointment. We'll take care of the rest of it there. That's something that feels really, really good in the moment because we're not actually asking somebody anything, right? But if we have the situation where there's buyer's remorse, that's when we have the situation that people never show up for the appointment. And I'm sure that there's people who have experienced this, they're watching this right now. It really, really sucks. But, you know, the remedy is just to, you know, play harder at the front set, right? You can always negotiate yourself down, right? All right, cool. So, you know, and I'll, I'll just kind of give an example. I'm just spitballing here. All right, great. So our plans are going to be, uh, you know, the plan you select is going to be $4,500. So how this works here is, you know, I got to get your payment. So it's going to be $2,000 for this first installment. Do you prefer doing check or credit card for that? And then if they say, oh, well, I don't have $2,000. Now we're having a consultation, right? So now we're having a conversation. There's, there's a back and forth, right? So then we can go back to the deposit. The deposit doesn't work. Well, hey, look, I just want to, well, I'm going to get into the objection handles in a little bit too, but basically, you know, don't start out by, you know, don't start out at the bottom, right? It would be like, you know, playing football and starting with like, you know, your butt touching like your own end zone, right? Start at the end zone, right? Okay. Next thing is at the best interest frame, right? So this is a scary question to ask, but it's because people don't ask this question that they wind up getting ghosted. Like I said before, it's easier to leave a call with a good feeling. And this is something that, um, you know, people in the sales training universe like to refer to as happy ears. You want to think the best of people. You want to think it's going to work out. But again, when it doesn't work out, you have to ask yourself what ended up happening. A lot of the times too, if we didn't feel like we had as much strength to get the credit card, maybe we didn't actually close the deal. Maybe they just said they closed the deal, feel good about that. And then, you know, they ended up leaving. They're like, yeah, what did you really think about that? Oh, I don't know. Like, you know, it wasn't really it. And again, those are all things that we can address as objections in a, a process if it gets started or ideally on a call uh, or the consultation when, you know, we have the chance to address these things. But that's basically what we lose when we end up letting things go. So basically, if we are assuming that the default is that somebody is going to pay us full, then it's basically on them to disprove it. The burden of proof is on them to borrow from a legal term, right? So the first thing that we need to do is we need to circle back and then make sure that it's not a smoke screen. So if somebody ends up pushing back, they don't really do this. I always, and this is a really important thing. So just to be clear, like you're hundred percent on this, right? This is something that you want to do for your family and just hang back. Very tough question to ask because if somebody ends up having the situation, 
well, yeah, actually, I'm not sure about this or that. Then cool. You have the op- you have the opportunity to undo that objection right then and there. But if they say yes, then that's a tie down because now we can say, okay, so and, and that's basically what, you know, that's why people don't like to argue this past the close. I, I don't think you should be arguing past the close, but it's it's the fear that they're not there, there's something mixed up, right? We're crossing the streams between getting, you know, the payment in the way that it should be done for them and whether they want to. We're really afraid that we lost the sale, but we have to ask. You can't lose anything that you never had in the first place. Really big principle in sales. But anyways, if they say yes, then we're able to explain it, but we have to explain it in a best interest frame. We use this in a lot of different objections. All right, cool. So look, you told me that you guys want to have this. This is a solution that's right for you. The reason why I need you to do this, I'm going to be completely honest. If we end up getting this payment today, we're going to make our meeting. If we end up not getting this payment today, or we don't set up our meeting or something else like this, you guys might feel super good in the moment, but I will tell you based on the past, I've done this thousands of times, there is a less than 100% chance that you're going to make to that call. Depending on who you are, I don't know. I mean, I'd say on average, you know, maybe 75%, maybe 50% something, right? So my job as an attorney is to make sure that you get the outcome that you want. And in this moment, making sure you make it to that meeting is the first thing. So this is why I'm doing this for you. We need to get the ball rolling because if you don't, who knows what happens? You can tell a story like this time too. Like, you know, we've had situations where people book this and don't show up and then they get hit by a car or, you know, they get a stroke or something like that. I'm not saying that's going to happen to you, but it's so easy to do later. Later turns into never more often than you think. So with that in mind, can we get that payment today? As long as it's in their best interest, you guys are on the same side of the table. This isn't like some crazy like objection handle. We just need to illustrate them. You know, it's it's this isn't you know this isn't persuasion. It's leadership. We need to show them why this is something that they need to do. Anyway, so that's pretty much it. You know, we 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 can't trust the later. And again, I'm telling you, just like you know, like I said, you know, it's super easy to take care of this stuff later. I'm doing air quotes right now. It's, oh yeah, we'll take care of that on the first appointment, but you're going to have less than hundred percent of those. And if you, if you find yourself in a position where you're getting ghosted, like, you know, the answer is you have to collect payment upfront and at least do your due diligence and make sure you did everything you could to get that payment upfront. Ask the hard questions. Honestly, it's scary, but it's, it's, that's how you end up getting paid at the end of the day. Um, and just to kind of like, you know, recap here too, how do we get here? Extremely casual. You need to be casual because it is a casual thing. There's no expectation that this is going to be a battle. That's what you do at the end of a consultation. It's a default yes. It's weird not to be yes. They have to argue if it's not yes, right? You have your backup plans. If it's not paid in full, we have a deposit. If we don't have a deposit, we have a contract. If we don't have a contract, we have an appointment. And then if we need to address the the objections, we need to show them this is why you need to do this, not for me, but for you. All right. I hope this has been helpful, guys. Don't negotiate against yourself. Let's get some deals closed and let me know if you guys have any questions on this. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. For show notes, free resources, and more, head on over to casefuel.com slash podcast. Looking forward to catching up on the next episode. 